Hello, and welcome to Meditations from Middle Earth. My name is Strider, and I'm a Christian worker here in where I call Middle Earth. We love to meditate on God's Word, and He's given us so many unique and rich experiences here in Middle Earth, and I'd like to share those insights with you here on Meditations from Middle Earth. Today I would like to begin our lesson before we get into the meditation today by talking about the discipline of simplicity. Uh, simplicity is, it's, it's really, it's freedom, you know, and it's, it's freedom from the things that would control us in this world. And we, we, we give ourselves away to so many things and, and goals that are not God, goals that are not part of the kingdom of God or his call on our life. And we find ourselves in bondage to things that we don't need. Um, our society is absolutely sick with this. As one writer, uh, Arthur Gish, said, uh, we buy things we don't want to impress people we don't like. And uh, that really sums up our modern world so much. All the things that we have to have to impress other people. And they don't bring us any joy in our life at all. There's, there is a bit of a minimalist movement going on in uh, the younger generation in, uh, in the West these days, uh, which I appreciate. And I think they're on the right track. And I think that we, we need to uh, look at this discipline if we're going to be free in our time of meditation if we're going to come to a point in our meditation where we're hearing from the Lexio, then going to prayer, and then sitting in the presence of God, we're never going to sit there and hear his voice if the things of the world and the voices of the world are crying out to us and drowning out his voice. If if all the things you need and want and desire and have to protect and are fearful to lose uh, are screaming in your face, you're never going to hear the voice of God. So the discipline of simplicity is really an important one for us to consider. It's, of course, it's based, uh, the idea of biblical simplicity, it's, it's absolutely centered in Matthew 6, uh, 33, where we... we we see Jesus and his, his economic teaching. Uh, there are people who make silly statements about how you know, the Bible doesn't talk about economics or uh, the Bible doesn't talk about our, our possessions, and that's, that's nonsense. It, Jesus addresses this a lot. The Bible addresses this a lot. And it is because it is a part of who we are. And as we, and, and as we come down to um, Matthew 6:33, and Jesus is saying, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will come to you. And as he's talking about all the other things, it's the things that we need. And I want us to really consider this in simplicity, that we seek a lot of things that we don't need. And uh, we think that those things are going to give us happiness. And they never do. We never have enough. It's the old question of how much is enough. And the answer is just a little bit more. You know, we never have enough. And that's because we're trying to fill up with the wrong things. And um, so let's, uh, let's look here 
as we consider the focal point for simplicity being Matthew uh, 6.33 and the kingdom of God, uh, now how do, we, how do we center ourselves in a way that's not legalistic? I mean, there are groups who uh, make a lot of rules and regulations about the things that we have and don't have, and that's not freedom. Legalism is not freedom. Always being concerned and fearful about, ooh, am I breaking this law or that law, or should I have this or should I have that, or how much is enough and how much is too much. And these things lead you into bondage. They don't lead you into freedom. And the point of the disciplines is always to lead us to freedom. So the focal point has to be on the kingdom and the joyful celebration of our relationship um, with, with, with the Father. And so as we, as we receive from the Father each thing that we have, it's a gift. And if it's a gift, it's not ours. It's given to us as a stewardship. And what we need is God's concern. And what we have then is always available to others because God doesn't just care about you. He cares about all of his children. So if you have something and somebody else needs it, what you have needs to be available to them. Jesus says, give to all who ask. And some people have questioned the wisdom of that. Well, how can we possibly do that? And the answer is with the wisdom of God and a connection with him and what he's saying, we can always have things available to serve others with. Uh, no matter how poor we are or how, many, how wealthy we are, everything we have should be available to serve others with. And, uh, and, and, and you think about what a freedom that is, because now if I have a large house and a nice car and good things and money, I don't have to feel guilty about that and think, oh my goodness, am I, hoar am I a hoarder? Am I holding on to too many things? Have I lost sight of the kingdom of God? No, if all of these things are available to be used by everyone who has need around you, then you're free. And you're not holding on to those things tightly, and you're not afraid of losing those things. You know that today you have those things, and tomorrow you might not have them, but you're always going to have what God has given you. And you're always going to have what you need, because He is a good Father. And so that will set us free. So we need to reject buying things um, just because they give us status. We can reject anything that's producing an addiction in us. You know, or what is it that you have that once you have it, you need to have more of it? Uh, reject those things. Uh, develop a habit of giving things away. You, you see something in the corner, you haven't used it in months, give it to somebody who could use it. Don't keep, hold on to things that are not giving you joy and that are not... Um, uh, helping you to serve others and love others well. And develop a deep appreciation for the creation. I think this is such an a, a important thing, that the, the world that we live in was created by God for us and for Him. It's ours. It's not, it's not ours in the sense of it's mine. It's ours in the sense of it's God's and ours. This is our world that he gave us. It's our world that he created. And so let's share it together and let's value it together. It's a gift. And you know, when you receive a gift from somebody, you don't just in right in front of them say, well, this is useless and throw it in the trash can unless you're really trying to insult them. 
And yet, so often, that's what we do with God's creation around us. And we need to value that creation. We don't worship the creation. We worship God. But if we're going to respect God, we need to respect the gift that God has given us in his creation. And so let's do that. And as we do that, we can live a life of simplicity. We can learn to enjoy things without owning them. We can go to the beach or uh, hike in the mountains. We can uh, read books we check out from the library. We don't have to own everything. We don't have to control everything. We can enjoy it all as a gift uh, that belongs to all of us. I could go on and on about this. You know, simplicity is more than just the things that we have. It's the life that we lead. Let your, uh, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Uh, so have simple speech and shun whatever would distract you from your goal. So as you have things in your life, events in your life, and, thing, and, and uh, possessions in your life, uh, all of these things can uh, take our attention away from the kingdom of God. Uh, but if we hold on to them loosely, honor them as gifts from the Father, and be ready to give them away to the fathers of many other hurting children that are around us, we can live a life of simplicity that leads to real freedom. And in that freedom, uh, we'll be able to then read the Word and hear the voice of God. Uh, because the loud voices of the things around us that are clamoring for our attention are shoved aside, uh, thrown out the door, and uh, left in the street where they belong. So uh, with this thought on simplicity, and I hope to return to the idea of simplicity in the future, there's so many things that we need to consider as we think about simplicity. But let's move on now to our Lexio Divina and the reading of the word. So let us suppose that in the morning I'm up, I'm reading in Matthew 5, starting in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And let's suppose that the Lord is speaking to me, and I highlights that verse 10 of, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And I think, wow, blessed are the persecuted. Uh, that doesn't sound like a way that I want to be blessed. I, um, I, I need to stop and think about that. And as I think and I meditate on that and I think about the persecuted, it's not the persecuted for just any old reason. It's a persecuted for righteousness' sake. And I, I think we can see that there are persecuted around, people around the world. There's injustice all over the place. And we need to consider that, and we need to stand for those who are uh, underneath the weight of injustice. And we need to be those who stand up for those kind of people. But this seems to be talking about something else. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
So what would it mean to be persecuted for? I mean, if I'm righteous, it means I'm being good. I'm in right standing. I'm doing what is right or correct. Uh, I'm righteous. I'm just. I'm, I'm, I'm correct. What are these? What, what are we getting at here? How could that? Why would people persecute that? It reminds me of a phrase that I had written down uh, years ago. I don't know who said it originally. Uh, But it said, nothing is so good that somebody somewhere won't hate it. And uh, I have found that to be really true in my life and the life of those that I'm observing around me. uh, People do good things and and people are hated for that. And uh, as 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 I think about how people go out and love others well, and all the ways that then those people could then come into uh, persecution. Why would they be persecuted for doing well? Well, if you think about this, this is exactly what happened to Jesus. The person teaching this lesson here in Matthew 5 is Jesus, and he was very much condemned for doing what was good. He healed people, and he loved people, and he taught freedom. And as he brought forgiveness to others, condemnation was rained down on him by those who were in power and those who were in authority. Why would this be? How could this possibly be? And as I think about this and meditate on it, it's, the answer becomes very clear to me. The rulers of this world rule through fear. It's always about fear. And whether we're talking about religious leaders or political leaders or community leaders or or even family uh, hierarchical leaders within your own community, with your own family, or on the world stage, the way to rule in this world is through fear. You intimidate others and... Uh, you show others that they definitely have something to lose by opposing you. And um, you, you can think about the world religions that are set up in this way so that so the local spiritual leaders lord it over the people that are around them. I know something that you don't, and you need to honor me or else it could all go badly for you. And this happens in all the religions around the world. This happens in politics, where rulers and authorities try to threaten others and to set up systems that keep others enslaved and in fear. This has happened throughout human history, and it is happening today. And what happens when somebody is righteous comes along? What, what is this righteousness that is such a threat to them? Because righteousness means that I am in right standing with God. And if I proclaim that I'm in right standing with God and that you are in right standing with God, if I'm proclaiming the love and the grace of God, perfect love casts out fear. And as Jesus comes in to first century Palestine and he begins loving people, he begins offering forgiveness of people. And as he forgives others, he is taking away the power 
of the local authorities. He is stripping them of their power. What do we get to in the end of the story of Jesus? He says, we, we, we see later on in the New Testament that, that even the, the fear of death is taken away. You know, death, where is your sting? The Apostle Paul says. And so even death, uh, we're not to be afraid of it. And why wouldn't we be afraid of it? Because if we're in right standing with God, if he loves us and he cares for us, then he gives to us eternal life. And in fact, that's the very promise that happens here. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For what? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what's the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is the rule and the reign of God. This is the thing that John the Baptist announced had come. And Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is among you. And he is announcing that God loves you, that God cares for you, that God has forgiven you. And Jesus goes to the cross to prove the forgiveness of God. He's willing to die for us. And now... And now we are in right standing with God, and therefore we have nothing to fear. And if we have nothing to fear, the rulers of this world are going to lose their minds. And you can see it all the time, especially, I think, in our uh, religious societies around the world. If I'm talking about Islam or Christianity or Buddhism, when a teacher rises up and talks about love and grace— Just watch how quickly they could be condemned. Man, you think about John chapter 8, and as I've already talked about, Jesus as he faces the woman caught in adultery, and he forgives her, and he says, I don't condemn you. And then by the end of John chapter 8, they couldn't stone that woman, but they picked up stones to stone Jesus. And the only guy who was sinless and that whole thing was the guy they were actually going to stone and of course Jesus escaped from them because he's without fear and no one takes his life but he lays it down because he's not afraid to lose it he says I can lay my life down and I can take it up again he's not afraid and his lack of fear because of his righteousness because of his sinlessness and this is what he brings to us and he offers us he says because I'm sinless I love you, and I bring you into my kingdom. And as he brings us into this this kingdom, what's going to happen? We're going to be persecuted. If you don't want to be persecuted, you have to cooperate with this world. That means not sharing the gospel, not sharing the good news that God loves other people, not sharing that people are forgiven, not proclaiming freedom. No, 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 you've got to proclaim the rules, the regulations, the fear that's hanging over everyone's head, and then you will be friends with the world, and you won't be persecuted. I won't say that you won't suffer, because I think suffering comes under every system in this world. I don't think we escape suffering. But the promise here is that blessed are these people who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And as this, this promise comes in, the kingdom of heaven, this is the rule and the reign of God. This is the presence of God. And so if I'm acting despicably, 
and I'm acting unrighteous, I might not be persecuted by the world, but my life is not going to go well. I'm still going to suffer, and in the end, I will still die. But what, So what do I gain? What do I gain by, by being righteous, by offering love and grace and forgiveness to others? What I gain is as I'm persecuted for those things, as I continue to suffer, just like everyone else suffers for those things, I don't get out of suffering, but what I get is the presence of God. As, as, as one person has said, God protects us from nothing, but he is present with us in everything. And this is the presence of the kingdom of heaven. And it's the reason why we don't need to fear. We may suffer for a little while, as everyone in this world does. But with the presence of the kingdom of heaven is the promise of life eternal. A joyful life now and an eternally joyful life forever. This is the kingdom of heaven. And it is a promise to those willing to stand up for righteousness, love, forgiveness, grace. And when we stand for that, we will be persecuted, but he will be with us. Let's pray into that. Heavenly Father, sometimes I just, I just bow down before the rulers of the world. Sometimes I just give in to their fear and I keep my mouth shut and I don't love and bless others. I don't stand up for you and your truth. Forgive me for that. And give me the courage today to forgive others, to love others, to offer others the love that you've given to me. And to be bold about that. And when the persecution comes, to love and forgive those who bring the persecution. Lord, will you give me that grace today? And now let's, let's turn to our contemplative prayer. Let me read uh, the words from Revelation, Jesus' words here to the church, and then we'll sit quietly for 30 seconds, allowing him to sit in our presence and we in his presence and just quiet our minds and know that he's with us. Revelation 3.20 says, Listen, I'm standing at the door, knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. Open the door. Say the Lord's Prayer with me. Our Father, who are in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen. This has been Meditations from Middle Earth. May God be your ever-present teacher and richly bless you on your journey.